Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, welcome to the Out of the Box podcast, a very special episode. It is the selection show for the 2020 Bama U bracket as we try and figure out who is the best Alabama softball player of all time with your help, because you fans will have a say in this as well. I'm Gray Robertson. I am quarantining at Lake Martin, so if you hear the sound of a plane or a boat motor, that's because I'm sitting outside right now and back in his house with his family in Tuscaloosa, Tom Canterbury. Tom, how are you? I'm doing good. Yes, I'm sitting here in my kitchen uh, dining room, which is where I've been basically for the last month. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, excited to be talking actual some semblance of sport. Uh, I watched a NBA horse competition last night as though it was Game 7 of the NBA Finals. So uh, I'm just ready for some sort of competition. Was it entertaining whatsoever? The horse competition? I, I don't know. If we if we were in normal times and not in quarantine, I doubt I would have even thought about it. But, I mean, for what it was, it was fine. Okay. Well, this yeah. is kind of like that, sort of, because <laughs> we've got we've got a bracket for yeah. every, every major Alabama softball player ever. We had a selection committee go through, place together their ballots, send them to me. I ran the numbers and put together a field of 32. There are four regions, eight players in each region, all seeded one through eight. We've got a number one overall seed we're going to reveal in a second. Tom, you were one of the voters on the selection committee. Was it difficult trying to find just 32 people to include in this bracket? Yes, because I mean, I think it really kind of shows the level of a program that Alabama softball has been basically since its inception in 1997. Uh, the, the talent that is not on this bracket, I think, is just really kind of shows how great of a program this is. You take, take a look at these 32. Uh, they're amazing. But then uh, there's a lot of really great softball players. There's a lot of All-Americans that are not on this list, which is just it's, it's amazing to look at. It is. Should we get to it? Yes. Okay, let's reveal the number one overall seed in the Kretschmann region. It's Kelly Kretschmann, of course, 1998 to 2001. And it was kind of tight to see who would be the number one overall seed, but Kelly Kretschmann just squeaked by. When you're talking about someone who is not just maybe considered the best Alabama softball player of all time, she's in the conversation of best softball player, period, of all time. Uh, you take a look at what she's – I know we're talking about their playing career at Alabama, which was amazing when Kelly Cresham was here. But you take a look at what she's did af- afterwards, after, you know, the Team USA that she's been a part of, a part of virtually every pro softball league there has been and was playing 
at an MVP level into like last year or the year before, uh, almost 20 years after she was done playing collegiate softball. Uh, just an amazing player. I'm not shocked she's the number one overall seed. Yeah, four-time All-American, four-time All-SEC, and if you look in the record books, she's either first, second, or third in pretty much everything, which is a good <laughs> sign. <laughs> yeah. Kelly Kretschmann in the first round of the Kretschmann region will meet the eight seed Cassie Riley Bosha, who played from 2009 to 2012, and she squeaked into the field, and good to see her make it. It'll be a tough first-round matchup, though, against Kelly Kretschmann. Yeah, and, but the fact that a player the caliber of Kathy Riley Bosha just barely squeaked in as an eighth seed shows you how hard of a field this is going to be to be a part of. Kathy was a huge part as a senior on the national championship team in 2012, has written books literally about that national championship, uh, and is uh, I, I can see her because of her popularity – it's not going to be an easy walkover for the number one overall seed. Yeah, absolutely. Again, we'll get to how the voting breaks down in a little bit, probably after we go over the rest of the Kretschmann region, just so all of you know how important your voice will be as we go over this bracket. And now to the 4-5 matchup. We've got Ashley Courtney, the 4 seed, versus the 5 seed, Lacey Prejean. And, Tom, this was one that was debated a bit by some people, and we – uh, had some other anonymous selection committee members who weighed in on this one and gave the four seed to Ashley Courtney. And it's going to be, I, I think, a very tight first-round matchup between these two, the four and the five. It really is. And then, and you take a look at when these two played. You have Ashley Courtney, her senior season was 2005. Lacey Prejean, her senior season was 2003. I actually remember Lacey as the catcher when – I was producing the Alabama softball broadcast as a student at the University of Alabama on 90.7 FM, and she was a huge part of the team at that point, winning SEC championships. Uh, it's going to be a heck of a matchup between two great players, and uh, some of the uh, OG Alabama softball fans are going to have uh, have a say in this one. Uh, some of the some of the uh, newer and younger fans might not know. But Ashley Courtney and Lacey Pajon, two outstanding players. It's going to be interesting. So Ashley Courtney is two-time All-SEC, two-time All-American. Prejean, four-time All-SEC and the 2000 SEC Freshman of the Year, plus being all over the record books defensively in the catching department. It's going to be close. I'm really excited to see how this one shakes down. Yeah, this, this will be a fun one. All right, now let's move on to the three and the six matchup here in the Kretschmann region. The three seed, Alabama pitching coach and former guest on the podcast, Stephanie Van Brakel. Wow. It'll be fun. And her opponent, the six seed, Ginger Jones from the 98 to 2001 era. She was a first-team All-American and a two-time first-team All-SEC player. But Stephanie Van Brakel, pro throw. Uh, then Stephanie Van Brakel, when she was playing, is going to be very tough to beat because she is everywhere in the record books. Yes, uh, I don't know if you knew this, Craig, but she uh, also hit when she was at Alabama. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, this is a heck of a matchup overall again. Ginger Jones going uh, back in the day to 98-01, uh, outstanding player for the tie. But you look at Stephanie Van Brakel, uh, the, the argument could certainly be made. She's a little bit underseated at three. I hear you, and I, yeah. I, I mean, it makes sense. There there were a couple other uh, discussions that had to be had and a few things that were flipped, and because of that, Stephanie Van Brakel pro throw. Then Stephanie Van Brakel, she'll be that on our bracket, found herself on the three line, and I think you're right. She could be a dark horse in this Kretschmann region to maybe get all the way to the Final Four. Yeah, I mean, I, I know we're, we're going to announce the 2-7 seed here in just a minute, but 
a uh, Kretschmann Van Brakel matchup later on could be uh, could be juicy. It could be. But for Stephanie Van Brakel to make it to the Elite Eight and face off against Kelly Kretschmann, potentially she would have to get through the two seed Jackie McLean, who is oh. facing off against the seven seed Kendall Dawson. So we've got two really good legends in Alabama lore facing off already in the two seven matchup of the Kretschmann region. It's amazing when you say all these these names. It's like and and she was on the wall, and she was on the wall, <laughs> and they're on the wall. It's, <laughs> wow, this is amazing to, to think about how deep of a program this is overall. And uh, McLean Dawson, that's another outstanding matchup. So before we move on and explain the voting, any immediate thoughts on the Kretschmann region? Anything that excites you? I know you mentioned the Kretschmann Van Brakel matchup in the Elite Eight potentially. Yeah, that's, that's fair, but again, that's in no way saying that Van Brakel's going to even get past Ginger Jones or whoever wins McLean-Dawson's matchup. And like you said, I think that courtney lacey Prejean matchup, the 4-5, is going to be a lot of fun. This is a 32-team or 32-person bracket. Some of these 4-5 matchups are going to be like those 8-9 matchups in the NCAA tournament uh, where those can be some of the best matchups of the entire thing. All right, let's break down the voting so all of you understand how this is going to work. So we've got five people on the selection committee. Two of them are me and Tom, as we've discussed. Three are anonymous, but trust me, they know what they're talking about. We didn't just pick random people to be deciding these things. We didn't go to our uh, usual off-the-wall candidates and and give them a a vote, that's for sure. No, our buddy BG is not involved here in this. So each of us, the five of us, will have one vote per matchup and then there is the fan vote which will count for two that'll be on twitter at out of the box underscore pod so you vote on twitter whoever wins the fan matchup online gets two votes so for example if the five of us are knotted up and and it's maybe a three two advantage for somebody say the person who's only got two wins the fan vote they're moving on so the fans really matter here wow it's very important i mean this this podcast itself would not exist without the people listening, so I'm perfectly fine with giving them the power to see if they do not abuse it. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes, so people... We're good and not evil. Yes, please. The voting will be up, I believe, tomorrow. That'll be Tuesday. So the voting will begin Tuesday afternoon. That's April 14th as the Bama U Bracket 2020 goes along. That'll start with the Kretschmann region. Okay, let's move on down the left side of your bracket. Go to the number four overall seed. That is the number one seed in the Morgan region, Charlotte Morgan, and it was a little tight between Charlotte Morgan and a couple of the two seeds that were in the running for that final number one spot, but I think Charlotte Morgan, very deserving of this honor, right, Tom? Absolutely. I know our friends at the Seven Innings podcast did a bracket of best sluggers all time, and college softball history, and Charlotte Morgan was in that. Uh, and then also, you take a look, she, she pitched in some very important games for Alabama and did really well. So I, I, I'm very happy to see Charlotte make the, uh, the top four, uh, or, or as they number uh, one overall, or number one seed, I should say, making the top four. She has a no-hitter in the circle and also leads Alabama in career runs batted in. Oh, and one SEC player of the year twice. Seems good. Uh, yeah. So she's pretty good. And she was almost outside of being a one seed. (laughs) Insane. Her first round matchup is against Lauren Parker. Now, Lauren Parker was only with Alabama from 07 to 09, but in that 07 year was first team All-American and first team All-SEC. 
it's going to be interesting to see how Lauren Parker does against Charlotte Morgan in this 1-8 matchup. It really is. I mean, another, I mean, you could definitely, you could kind of make the argument that she is a type of Charlotte Morgan. Uh, we'll see if the fact that she was only at Alabama for three years after transferring from Baylor has a has an effect on it. But this is a, a really, again, when you have a, a tournament that is this deep, even if you're the number one seed, you don't have a walkover in the first round. Right. The 4-5 matchup in the Morgan region is juicy, Tom. Oh, it's so good. The four seed in the Charlotte Morgan region is Bailey Hemphill, still on the team right now, and she will be facing off against the five seed Jennifer Fenton. You can't make this up. This is just this is really good. Well, uh, you know they say sometimes like in, in boxing that styles make fights, and this would be one of those situations because you have two players who have a totally different game uh, facing off. You have Bailey Hemphill who's going to be. Uh, and again, it depends on what your criteria is. If you're just taking Bailey Hemphill for what she's done so far, or if you're projecting out to what she would do uh, as her career continues, possibly the all-time home run leader in Alabama softball history against a player who owns the most consecutive stolen bases in NCAA history. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, you're right about the criteria and how we value the players still on the team because there are a couple more we're going to go over that are still playing for Alabama. And it says a lot about them that they made the bracket, but how much of how we choose their results is from what we've seen versus what we expect them to do I think is fascinating. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. The 3-6 and six matchup here in the Morgan region. The three seed, Kayla Hunt. 2011 to 14, two-time All-American, second in Alabama history in homers, second in RBIs, versus my TV partner Sydney Littlejohn. No. So this is going to be interesting. Sydney Littlejohn has two no-hitters in her Alabama career, and oh, Tom, both of them were perfect games, and she was right. also an All-American. So this one's going to be really tough. Yeah, it is, and, and as we we've mentioned numerous times on broadcast and, and elsewhere about Sid is that she should have another All-American uh, accolade to her resume as well. Uh, just unfortunately, her senior season, Alabama had uh, you know, had a down year offensively. So she, she was basically having to throw shutouts to get wins. So and if she had one bad pitch a game, she, she was not getting all the stats that she should have gotten that year as well. So you can even take a little bit of that into consideration where those, how you value each stat for the pitchers, especially. You take a look at Sid, one of the best curveballs in softball. Yeah. Maybe ever. So, I mean, it's just, there's so many different criteria you can look at, and then you're taking a look at, at Hunt, who could absolutely mash the ball. So, it's a, again, a dichotomy of styles in this matchup. Yeah, Sidney Littlejohn holds the Alabama record unofficially for most 1 0 losses in a career. <laughs> Correct. And yes. well, maybe that will come into play because you're right. I think her senior season, and we've talked a lot about that off the air, like you mentioned, her senior year was All-American worthy, but she just didn't get any help. And that right. should be factored into this voting, I think. Yes, yeah, Cindy Littlejohn holds the unofficial one nothing uh, loss record uh, the same way that Maddie Morgan holds the record for most, most walk RBIs. <laughs> exactly. Yes, we keep track of these folks. Yes, exactly. Okay, the final matchup in the Morgan region, the two versus the seven and the two seed here, who is actually very close to overtaking Charlotte Morgan for the one seed, Kelsey Dunn versus the <laughs> seven seed still playing, Kaylee Town. Now, this is fascinating. Kelsey Dunn has had 
in terms of awards, one of the most decorated Alabama careers ever, right up there with any of the number one seeds. And she's going up against a player in Kaylee Tao, who's a two-time All-American. So this will be interesting to see not only how Tao does against Kelsey Dunn, but also whether Kelsey Dunn can maybe be a party crasher in the Charlotte Morgan region. I think she definitely can. Again, you look at the stats that she had, uh, just unbelievable what she was able to do in the circle for the Crimson Tide uh, through back-to-back no-hitters in a Super Regional. Are you kidding me? Uh, so, <laughs> so, so, yeah, just amazing what she was able to do. Kaylee Tao, again, uh, are you projecting what she was going to be able to do uh, this season and then what she'll be able to do now that she's gotten this year of eligibility back moving forward? Um, well, it's... This is going to be interesting. I like. This. I, w- I want to see how things uh, shake out between, between these two. All right, that's it for the Morgan region. Tom, any thoughts as you look through the uh, one through eight? Like I said, I think you know. You look at it. The two current players. How people will look at them. Obviously, you know, you'll have some of the younger fans that may not, you know, literally might not have been alive when Kelsey Dunn was being a dominant. Uh, pitcher in the circle for the Crimson Tide. So will some of those fan votings kind of help out Kaylee Powell, Bailey Hemphill kind of the same way. Uh, and then a, a lot of dichotomy of styles. You have a lot of pitchers against hitters in this bracket as well as power against speed. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I've got my eye on the potential Sweet 16 matchup of Charlotte Morgan and Bailey Hemphill because of A, the predictive measures some of us on the committee might take looking at Bailey Hemphill because there's a potential that she could be more decorated than Charlotte Morgan in certain areas once her career winds down. But also, the fan vote. Like you mentioned, Bailey Hemphill is pretty well known on social media and amongst current fans right now. Charlotte Morgan is as well, but it's been a little bit since she played in Rhodes. So I'm curious what that percentage looks like once we get to the Sweet 16. I would also be curious if they were able to get on a field at the same time and having batting practice, who would hit the farthest ball? Can we do that to determine that matchup? <laughs> that, might, that, that may be the tiebreaker. We'll all stand <laughs> six feet away and record right, yes. it. We will socially distance, and uh, they will socially distance the ball from the bat very quickly. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, let's move on down. We're moving over to the right side. Let's go to the number two overall seed she was right up there with kelly kretschman but just missed being number one overall it is the number one seed of the mcclenny region haley mcclenny tom you could argue haley mcclenny right now is the best current softball player in the world yes you could uh and again the depth of the alabama softball program as a whole that haley mcclenny's not the number one overall seed she would be the best player in 95 percent of all college softball programs of all time, but she just happened to play in the same program that Kelly Kreshman did at one point as well. But Haley McClinney, the best softball player I've ever covered. Mm. I'm very jealous I was not born a couple years earlier and got to call some of those games with you watching Haley McClinney. <laughs> She's got an interesting 1-8 first-round matchup. The eight seed in the McClinney region is Demi Turner. Now, if you went solely off of career stats, Demi Turner honestly probably would not and maybe should not make the bracket. But when you look at Demi Turner's career and how many times she had seasons derailed by injury, it's hard yeah. not to think she might have been a bit underseeded here as the eight seed in the McClenney region. Yeah, definitely injuries, uh, you know, pulling her back out. She would have, if she had played uh, healthy all four seasons. Uh, she might, you know, she's she'd be in the two, three seed probably in this tournament. But yeah, those two season-ending injuries and uh, just two of the most devastating injuries I've personally ever seen. 
uh, dislocated elbow and then taking a, a, a softball to the eye that was thrown a foot and a half away from her. Uh, luckily, you know, it destroyed her orbital bone, but luckily she was able to come back. And, you know, I was worried when it first happened that she literally might lose her eye. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but she was able to come back and had a really good senior season for the tide after that happened. Uh, so I'm glad to see that she made this, and, and we'll, we'll see how she's able to do. It's a, that is a tough draw for her with Haley in the first round. Yeah, but I think very similar styles, and had Demi Turner been healthy for four years, you're right. She could have had Haley McClenney-like numbers throughout her career, but unfortunately it just never happened. Yep. All right, the 4-5 and five matchup in the McClenney region. This is, again, very fascinating. The four seed in the McClenney region is Chrissy Owens, from the 05-08 era, first all-time in Alabama ERA, going up against the five seed and hero many times in that 2012 national championship year, Amanda Locke. Oh, oh. I, this Again, is this is just really good. Uh, the depth of this bracket that Amanda Locke is a five seed. I mean, unbelievable. It really, yeah. Amanda Locke, All-American in 2012, two-time All-SEC, and was 2009. SEC Freshman of the Year, and we mentioned Owens. I mean, you talk about how decorated the Alabama pitchers have been throughout history. She's got the best ERA of any of them. Right, and not and not anything against her personally or anything, but when you talk about Alabama pitchers, her name doesn't come up first. Right, but she has the best ERA. That's amazing to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is a this is a quite quite of a matchup here to start things off. Again, these four or five matchups are some of the best of this entire tournament. Oh, yeah, and there's another one coming up that's going to be really fascinating, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to the 3-6 here in the McClinney region. The three seed here in the McClinney region is Alexis Osorio, and she is facing off against the six seed, Ashley Holcomb. Now, this one is interesting because I've got some – you know, announcing and watching and studying notes on Alexis Osorio because I jumped in at the tail end of her career that I do not have on Ashley Holcomb. So I'm going to have to do some digging so that it's fair when I vote between these two. Yeah, and then these these are two very highly decorated players. The Alexis Osorio uh, throwing perfect games on opening days for Alabama. Uh, the 21 strikeout game is still... Uh, one of the most dominating performances I've ever seen, uh, regardless of opponent uh, that you have. Uh, and then she 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 made you sweat because she would load the bases, but then she'd get out of it. Uh, just uh, a great. And I'm kind of in the same boat as you with Osorio against Holcomb. Uh, Ashley Holcomb, um, amazing player for the Crimson Tide. We'll have to do a little bit more. Uh, research on it before I make my pick on this one here. But this is a very interesting matchup. Yeah, I also have to take note that I saw a lot of Alexis Osorio, which means I not only saw the highlights, but we saw some of the struggles as well. And we saw what happened when she was battling injuries. So that all has to be taken into account. I think it's a really interesting 3-6 matchup. And I I could see Alexis Osorio maybe, you know, maybe crashing the party here in the McClinney region, potentially, if she could get some support. Yeah, I think this is going to be one of those matchups where the fan vote's going to have a say because... Uh, Lexi, and rightly so, one of the most popular players in Alabama softball history, and we'll we'll see how that maybe sways some things against if there's not as many uh, OG fans that may be putting Ashley Holcomb through. But uh, this is a heck of a matchup overall. You're right; we saw both the the highlights and the, and 
some of the struggles of Lexi, and a lot of those were, again, somewhat similar to Demi Turner. Uh, due to some injury issues, she was able to fight through it. Uh, but if she had been 100% healthy for her four years, I think she would be higher than a three seed. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Let's go to the two and seven with two of the most popular Alabama players in the McClenney region. We've got the two seed, Kayla Bro, past guest on the Out of the Box podcast, versus the seven, Reagan Dykes, the catcher who graduated just last year. This one's really fun because I think we can both agree that Alabama is not one of the top three or four best teams of the 2019 season without Reagan Dykes. And she also was fantastic behind the dish throughout her career. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about the shotgun that Reagan Dykes had behind the plate. So it's not easy to throw out would-be base stealers and, and softball. Reagan Dykes did it on a regular basis. She had a she was a great receiver of the ball, had great relationships with the pitchers. I think that really helped. I think that's kind of one of the reasons why we saw Alabama in the 2020 season have some struggles out of the gate because of the catcher position and trying to put in different people. We had Bailey Hemphill back there and then coming in from high school. Then, you know, it, it takes a little while. So, you know, with Abby Dore coming in. So, uh, I, I think... I think you kind of almost appreciate Reagan Dykes more after she left than even probably when she was here. Yeah, and she's going up against Kayla Bro, three-time All-American, four-time All-SEC, would be first in pretty much every hitting category if it weren't for a player named Haley McClenney. And she, you know, had, I think at the time people knew how great she was, but when you take a step back and look after a couple years, you realize that Kayla Bro was really special throughout her entire career, freshman to senior year for Patrick Murphy. Yeah, you take a look at what she did, not just on the field, but off the field, a tremendous leader for that, for that program. Alabama does not win the national championship in 2012 without Kayla Bro at the top of the order, really setting the plate uh, or setting the table. She, she was one that, you know, if she said, I'm going to get on first base right now, she got on first base, just period. Yeah. You couldn't stop it. So, so <laughs> you know, you, you can make the argument, regardless of what the stats come out, that she may be the best just hitter in Alabama softball history because of what she was, you know, able to do slapping. As I said, she could get on base whenever she wanted to, basically. This is going to be – this is an interesting – very fascinating matchup with Bro and, and Dykes going one-on-one. Yeah, and double bias because we're friends with both of them. So right. it's fine. Yeah. We're going to make we're gonna make the right choice, I, I think. Yeah, so you have Reagan, who we, we traveled with, was part of the team covered, and then we have Kayla, who uh, is, was part of uh, brought, uh, Podcast Palooza. Yeah, she took time out of her night to podcast with us in Clearwater at the nicest darn resort I've ever seen. It was like a small town. Right. But it was awesome. We had so much fun. And, and that was only a couple months ago, even though it feels like it was about 10 years ago. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure I'll find the letters that I wrote from that trip half burned in a chest somewhere in our attic. But <laughs> goodness gracious, that does feel like a long time ago. Let's uh, let's get to the final region of the 2020 Bama U bracket. So, so far we've covered the Creshman region, the Morgan region, the McClenney region, and now we've got the Jackie Traina region, the number one seed in the Traina region, the number three overall seed is Jackie Traina. And you said Alabama doesn't win the national championship in 2012 without Caleb Bro. I contend for sure that does not happen, especially with the run they made in the Women's College World Series without Jackie Traina and what she could do in the circle that year. 100%. Yeah, Jackie Traina, you could make the argument her 2012, the national championship season, uh, the most dominant single season for anybody in Alabama softball history, 
uh, and the Tide rode the J train to the national championship. Uh, 100% I agree with that. And I think uh, even as popular as Crash is and as popular as Haley, I think it's it probably 1 and 1A one between Haley McClinney and Jackie Traina as the most popular players in Alabama softball history. Well, you got to credit Jackie Traina because while softball was growing in popularity, Jackie Traina is the name a lot of people remember when they talk about Alabama softball and that decade of SEC softball as they were trying to get up to the mountaintop and win those national championships. Right. So uh, this, this will be interesting to see what the fan vote will kind of sway with J-Train at the top here in the, tra- in the Trainer region. Yeah. She's taking on the eight seed in the Traina region. That is Jordan Prater, 05 to 08. She was three-time All-SEC, but this is an incredibly tough draw against Jackie Traina in the first round. It is, but like I said, with all these 1-8 matchups, it's not a walkover for Jackie here either. Uh, Jordan Prater, outstanding player, and uh, I think she will give her a run, that's for sure. All right, let's move on to the 4-5 matchup. This is the one that I think will be most fascinating when it comes to the fan vote. That's the four seed in the trainer region, Kelly Montalvo, versus the five seed, Montana Fouts. Whoa, yes. I have to think, and this is no offense to Kelly Montalvo, but I have to think because of her popularity on social media, Montana Fouts is going to have the fan vote pretty much as long as she's in this competition. Yeah, um, I almost want to take back what I said about Trina and and Haley because Montana Fouts is definitely making a run of being maybe the most popular Alabama softball player of all time. If she never threw another softball for Alabama again, which I I don't want to think about that ever happening, but if if that was the case, I still think Montana has done enough even in her year and a half to be in this field. Uh, But what are you projecting for her to be able to do in her next two and a half seasons as a member of the Crimson Tide. And then Montalvo, uh, again, you're going to have to kind of go back a little bit, um, do a little research, and hopefully some of the uh, maybe older school Alabama fans will chime in on Kelly Montalvo, outstanding player for the Crimson Tide and one of the best third basemen maybe in Bama softball history. I do wonder something else that might come into the minds of the committee, Tom, and that's awards some of these players should have won. We're all very aware that Alexis Osorio should have won Freshman of the Year her first season with the Crimson Tide. Same as we're all very aware, Montana Fount should have won Freshman of the Year nationally last year. So is that something that some of the voters online, not only on our committee but also on Twitter, keep in mind? Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely definitely the case. You know, definitely Osorio should, not, should have won the, the Freshman of the Year. Montana should have won it as well uh, in their Freshman campaigns. Another issue will be, you know, a lot of Kelly Montalvo's stats are defensive, and sometimes defensive stats don't move the needle as much as offensive stats do, even though they're equally as important. Yeah. We'll see. I'm I'm fascinated by that. Let's move on to the three and six. We've got the three seed, Shelly Laird, one of the OGs in Alabama softball history, going up against the six seed, and 2011 All-American Whitney Larson, third all-time in career RBI, which is a little tidbit that I honestly wasn't aware of as, until I was combing through the media guide preparing for this. You would think maybe one of the names we've mentioned would be higher on that list, but Whitney Larson was really productive throughout her Alabama career. Oh, yeah, outstanding. And, and interesting as well, I kind of have a little bit of a connection with both these players. Shelly Laird, again, as I mentioned, when I was producing Alabama softball games on the radio for the college station, 
Shelly Laird, one of the best, or uh, one of the leaders of that team at that time, uh, the ace in the circle during uh, the tenure from 99 to 02. And then Whitney Larson, uh, I went through the uh, grad program, the sport management grad program at the University of Alabama with Whitney, and she was the quarterback on our co-ed flag football team when she was out there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> you, <laughs> so double bias strikes again. It, it certainly does. And, you know, you had uh, extra points if a female was involved in touchdowns in those flag, co-ed flag football games. And when you have Whitney Larson as your quarterback, uh, you have – you have quite the uh, step up on a lot of people. Yeah, I agree. This one's going to be really interesting because I wonder how the fan vote will look at the stark difference between these two players because you've got, like I mentioned, one of the OGs in Alabama history, Shelly Laird. But mm-hmm. that was a long time ago. That was in the late 1990s, and you're facing off against a player in Whitney Larson who just played about eight years ago. So we'll see what the fans look like and how they vote and if they've done research on Shelly Laird against Whitney Larson. Uh, and thank you again for making me feel old. But yes, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My apologies, Tom. All right, <laughs> the final <laughs> matchup. <laughs> the final matchup to reveal the 2-7 in the Trena region. This one is interesting. This is another player who actually got some first seed votes. That's the two seed Brittany Rogers going up against the seven seed Leona Lafayette, one of the better power hitters in Alabama history. Even though the stats might not show that, she was feared every time she stepped into the box. Oh, 100%. And yeah, here's an interesting thing with Leona as well, is that she was not a first baseman until Pedro Murphy put her over there at, you know, when, because that's just the way it all shook out. They needed a first baseman. They moved Leona over there. And she becomes an All-American defensive first baseman as well. Uh, and in addition to the power numbers that she put up, and then you have Brittany Rogers. Uh, again, all, all these players on the uh, on the wall, and rightly so. Rightly so. But man, Brittany Rogers, uh, as good of a player as you can see. She, I mean, we talk about people being five tool players, uh, and she had she had all the tools and a few extra in the toolbox. Yeah, Brittany Rogers, four-time All-American, four-time first-team All-SEC. That's insane, Tom. It is. (laughs) And then Leona Lafayette, she was an All-American. I talked about how the stats might not show just how feared she was, but she could just tattoo the ball like nobody else, and she was a really big part of the program throughout her career. 100%. And an interesting thing about Brittany Rogers is that I think you're also going to have She's in that conversation, the most popular player in Alabama softball history. And one of the reasons she's so popular is for a play that she was not involved in other than that she was pinch hit for. And, the, you know, the way that, that she rallied around Jazz Lunsford when, when Patrick Murphy pinched hit Lunsford for Brittany Rogers in that game against Arizona State in the World Series. And then Lunsford, of course, hits the home run. People just fell in love if they weren't already, John Cruck included, fell in love with Brittany Rogers at that point. (laughs) All right, before we dive into a couple of the bubble notes and then sign off, Tom, any thoughts on the trainer region? Any possible Cinderella's or upsets you look at here in this little spot of the bracket? Well, it would be a seed upset if Montana uh, defeated Kelly Montalvo. It wouldn't be a huge shock, obviously. But a second-round matchup of Jackie Trainer against Montana Fouts. 
That'd be pretty good. (laughs) Is it interesting that I look at this bracket and seem to think that the five seeds have a better chance against the majority of the four seeds? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I can see that being the case for sure. Uh, you have that, uh, and then, you know, you have the pitchers in this region of Jackie Traina, uh, Jackie Traina's region of Traina, Fouts, and Laird all in the same region. It'll be interesting to see if some of them match up or if somebody like Whitney Larson can, uh, crash that party and, and, uh, and move forward ahead of Shelly. All right, now let's go look at the bubble. Here were the first four out. Now, we had a a list of quasi-nominations that was sent around. Some people added names to that list, but here were the first four out of the bracket that just missed. Kerry Mormon, 1997 and 1999, speaking of OGs. You've got Christy Kyle, who just missed the bracket, as well as Suzanne Olcott and Stacey Ramsey. So, Again, oh so close. A couple other players that were right there. Jaslyn Lunsford just missed the bracket, as well as Alyssa Brown. Marissa Runyon was right there. So you had a mix of old and new that were just outside of these top thirty-two. Yeah, I think maybe a little bit of the a little bit of recency bias might have come into effect on that. Uh, and then you have some players like a Marissa Runyon who had just amazing single seasons, or maybe a couple of seasons. But career-wise, might have been taken over by somebody that may not have had the huge spike, but might have had a little bit more consistency throughout the four years. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Marissa Runyon had one of the best single seasons of all time in softball history at Alabama. But she didn't close it out great, especially her senior year. She was really not a part of the offense at all when we were in the booth together watching her. And I think that hurt her, at least on my ballot, but it was really tough to narrow down 32, and now we've got the bracket set. Tom, just any shot in the dark, a champion, and a dark horse, potentially, that you think could win it all? Uh, if I had to pick, I, as far as who I think is going to win, it's hard for me to pick against uh, Kelly Crashman, the number one overall seed. A matchup with her and Haley at some point is going to be just uh, not if, if again if they were to actually and which we saw them play on the same team some with team usa but if they were able to face off with both in the absolute prime of their playing career that would be just an all-star game that you would love to see oh my gosh any uh, any dark horse do you see somebody maybe under the radar more or less who's not a number one seed that could come up and win the whole thing well again we'll, we'll take a look at how people project out and how the popularity of somebody like a Bailey Hemphill as a four seed uh, might, might pull her along some, you know, somebody like uh, Alexis Osorio. Uh, and then, you know, somebody like I said, I think Stephanie Mamrakel was a little bit underseated as a three. I would not be shocked to see her make a run as well. My predicted champion, I am riding with Haley McClinney. I think the fan vote is going to help her carry through. A lot of people love Kelly Crushman, but Haley McClinney is like the now player. And that's a lot of what social media is on. And again, we talked about it, how with the selection committee, it was so close. The fan vote's going to be different. We, when we get to the final four, there will be some guest celebrity judges who will be helping us out. But if it's that close already, the fan vote might tilt it in favor of Haley McClinney. So that, that's my early champion pick. I can I can definitely see that because she's going to be one who even some of the younger fans uh, are going to gravitate to even if they didn't see her play at Alabama. You know, you're going to hear the the legend and the lore. It's kind of like if you're uh, if you're, you're my age, you might not have actually seen 
Joe Namath play at Alabama, but you're going to talk about who your favorite player is. Joe Namath's going to be in that list. So I can see that happening. Yeah, absolutely. And my dark horse, I think you're right on the money, partner. Stephanie Van Brakel. She is a little underseated, but her career and what she's not only that, but what she's done for the university even since her playing days. And I know that won't necessarily factor in with how we're going to view it, but I think it will with some of the public because they're going to know her as an Alabama pitching coach, Stephanie Van Brakel Pro Throw. So you throw in her current popularity and the current public knowledge about her with the statistics, it's going to be tough to knock her out at least until the Elite Eight. Yeah, 100%. That's going to be a lot of fun to see how the different factors end that way and on how the voting goes. All right, Tom. That's it. That's the Bama U bracket for 2020. Voting will be open tomorrow. That's Tuesday at about, well, we'll say 4 o'clock Central Time. So voting will open at 4 o'clock for the Kretschmann region. Tom, any final thoughts from this before we go forth? Well, I would just say this is, this is going to be a lot of fun. It's one of those things that you can kind of look at and, and play along with. The number one thing is absolutely nobody's feelings should be hurt in this whole situation. Yes. I, I, I don't think they will be. Uh, it's, fun, it's, it's fun to... Uh, just talk about and this kind of fantasy booking and this type of stuff, but uh, all these players are great, and they would uh, any one of these uh, are capable and have the talent and and had the seat, had the careers to legitimately have a a shot to win this thing. Uh, again, it just shows you how uh, great of a program that's been built in Tuscaloosa and what Patrick Murphy's been able to do uh, here here at the Capstone, and this is just kind of like where we are right now. And can't wait to play actual softball games, hopefully, uh, in 2021. Yeah, Tom and I will be back to tell you the round one results and inform you on who makes the Sweet 16 once the first round is completed. I think we're going to do a region a day, so by the weekend or early next week, we'll let you know who's made it to the Sweet 16. For now, though, make sure that you vote starting tomorrow at outofthebox underscore pod, and we'll be retweeting those from our accounts, right, Tom? So where can people find you? Uh, you can find me T Canterbury RTR on the Twitter, and uh, we'll yeah, like I said, I'll I'll be retweeting all that. Uh, but you should definitely be following us at Outbox underscore Pod just in case I sleep through one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at Gray G R A Y underscore. Robertson. That is the selection show. We wish there were real selection shows happening in the sport of college softball and all sports. Frankly, I did my best to be both uh, Beth Moens and Greg Gumble, but. We'll have, to, uh, we'll have to settle for Gray Robertson and just watch how the dominoes fall because this is going to be really fun. I think so, too. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this rolls. So remember, folks, keep voting. We'll have the results as soon as possible, either this weekend or early next week for the 2020 Bama U Bracket. From my partner, Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson. We'll see you next time here on Out of the Box. Get voting. Get voting.